Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Good to see each of you here. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. well-seasoned, and some of your seasoning is getting more seasoned. I'll stop there. And others who are um, just young, just to have those those kids running around and to be able to have just all ages across the spectrum, we, we are truly blessed here at West Hill and thankful for each one of you, thankful that we can come and worship the Lord today. In this place, we continue our series this morning on characters of faith, characters of faith. And so we're going to walk through, if you want to open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 5. I was going to review uh, faith, but we're going to look at that next week, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Um, We'll review next week, but I just want to jump in here after we have a word of of prayer here, but we're going to look at the characters of faith, and we're going to look at Enoch. Enoch. Um, there's not a whole lot said about him, but he is the second person mentioned in Hebrews 11, and I, I think it would be re, uh, it would be bad if we didn't talk a little bit about him this morning. And so I want to share a little bit about Enoch and how he was quite different, and there's something different about him, and how how does that apply for us and how we live our lives. And so if you're there in Genesis chapter five, I want to read, if you would, um, if you're willing and able, would you stand with me? Not a long passage this morning, but we're going to read this passage together in Genesis chapter five, verses 21 through 24. Um, Genesis chapter five, verses 21 through 24. You can follow along. Hopefully it looks like so many of you have your Bible with you. Great job. We brought your textbook to class today, which is great. So if not, uh, it's up on the screen for you too. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he had fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch was 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you bless it to our minds and our hearts, Lord. And as we dig in to this character of faith, Enoch, he, he, he exhibits this quality of faith that we need today. Each one of us needs that. And so I pray that as we're digging in this morning, you would help us to have ears that hear and hearts, Lord, that we be receptive to what you want us to, uh, to hear and to do then as we live out our lives, as we seek to walk with you, Lord. And so we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So we'll look at Hebrews 11 here in a little bit, but we start here with Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, uh, verses 21 through 24. 
And so we see, okay, here's this man. He, uh, he lived 65 years, uh, and then he fathered Methuselah. You've probably heard of Methuselah. Uh, if you want to talk about somebody who's well-seasoned, you will call them Methuselah, all right? Because he is the longest living man that we know of. Um, and if actually, if you've not yet ever looked at the chart um, down the hallway here where the restrooms are located, there's a, a really neat chart. And when you start looking at that chart, it kind of helps you to see and kind of get a glimpse of, of where these people lived and how long they lived. And Methuselah's chart is quite long. Um, he, he lived quite a long life, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, over 900 years old. Can you think, like, just stop for a second. Can you even begin to fathom what it was like to live 900 years? I mean, let alone 900, but even 600 years. Or what about just 300 in 65 years. Here, here's Enoch, and as he uh, lived, he lived 65 years. He fathered Methuselah. And you get to this place where, as the writer here of Genesis is writing for us, there's a rhythm and there's a pattern. And it started with Adam, and it went with Cain and Abel, and then it, keep, it continued down, and we saw even... In verse 18, if you look, here's Jared. Jared lived. And, and then verse 20, it says, all the days of Jared were 962, and then he died. But there's a difference in the pattern here. The pattern is broken. And so the writer here is helping us to see there's something different about this man, Enoch. So verse 22 says, Enoch walked with God after he had fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years and he died, right? No, that's not what it says. Again, that's where the difference comes into play here. There's something different about this man. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Interesting, as I was um, just praying and thinking over this passage, Enoch walked with God. It sent me back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. Because I believe that God walked with Adam and Eve. Because there was the one day when they had eaten of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Where they were naked and they knew it. And they were ashamed. And so in Genesis 3 verse 8 it says, And when they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now what did that look like? Did Jesus physically come down? Or was it like the wind? All right. Again, scholars debate about that. I, I wouldn't get too hung up on whether or not he was in the physical flesh form. All that is important is they knew it was God. And whether it was a wind or it was the manifestation of Jesus that was there in the physical form, don't get hung up on that. The truth is they knew that God came and God walked with them. And so as God was walking with them, and this day he was walking where were Adam and Eve? They couldn't be found. Why? Because they were naked and they were ashamed. They knew that what they had done, they had sinned. And so when we look at this and we think of Enoch, uh, I love that phrase in verse 24 where Enoch walked with God. I think the writer said it's that same terminology of Genesis 3 where here, this is what it was supposed to look like. This is what the garden was supposed to look like as Adam and Eve walked with God. Here was a man seven generations later 
who walked with God. And it says ultimately that he was not, for God took him. Was not, meaning that he didn't die, all right? But that he, even in that, he, he did not die, but he did not exist. So he didn't exist here on this earth like he did before. Took is a common Hebrew word having a variety of different meanings. And I want to read to you from uh, the New American Standard Commentary. And it means uh, simply to take or to fetch. It may refer to death, whereas one life is taken in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10 and 14. Or the opposite, where one's life is snatched from death. Uh, Psalms 49, verse 15, and even verse 16. Yet in some contexts, taking indicates a reception into the presence of God. The same verb occurs for the assumption of Elijah, whom the Lord took in the whirlwind in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 3, and verses 10 through 11. Also, the psalmist in Psalm 73, verse 24 and 25, expected to be taken after life into glory. So the writer to the Hebrews clarifies this meaning that we'll see here uh, in, in Hebrews, taken by adding so that he did not experience death in Hebrews 11.5. And so he was taken. Where did he go? Well, I believe he went into the presence of God. All right. He existed no longer here on this earth. It wasn't that God, uh, you know, transported him from this side of the earth to the other side of the earth. And they looked everywhere they could, but he couldn't be found. All right, the same terminology that was used for Elijah as God took Elijah is the same ter terminology that we see here for Enoch. Uh, T.J. Cole says this in his um, book, Enoch, A Man Who Walked With God. He said, man was not born to die. He was born to live, and that life comes by walking with God. Walking with God is the key to the chains of the curse. And, and I would hold to that, that ultimately when Adam and Eve were created, they weren't created to die. And think about that for a minute. Think about the pain and the agony that you feel when a loved one passes away. It's, it's an effect of sin. It's because of sin's effect on us, and it's part of the fall that we would experience death. God didn't want that for Adam and Eve, but yet because they rebelled against him, that was a consequence of their, of their sin. And we experience that even this day. And so we weren't born to die, and yet we're born in sin. Every one of us has that condition in our heart. And there's not one who is above the other. Unfortunately, we're all sinners. Paul says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we're all in the same condition. We all start off in the same way. And yet walking with God gives us something that we were meant to experience. That's the beauty of Jesus. And when he comes and he sets us free from the bondage of sin that we've been born into, Jesus's blood paid the sacrifice, it paid the price that you and I deserved, the penalty that was deserved for all of our sin. 
Enoch, he lived 365 years. Some will say this gives you a, like a lunar years. I don't want to read into too much of that. All right. You, you can do your digging and go a little deeper if you want. All I know is that for 365 years, Enoch walked with God, which is very short in comparison. Because let me throw a few of these out to you. Think of Adam. It says that Adam lived for 930 years. Again, I can't even fathom living 100. Lisa and I talk about it all the time. Part of it, we don't, we don't even want to live to be 100. <laughs> if I can run around, sure. But I know I'm not going to be able to run around. It's hard for me to run around now at 45. 930 years. Seth lived to be 912. Enish lived to be 905. Kenan, 910. Mahalala, which I love his name. Halalala. Look it up. H-M-A-H-A-L-A-L-E-L. That's a cool name. He lived to be 895 years old. Jared was 962 years old. Jared was the father of Enoch, 962 years old. Then you have Enoch, 365 and then you have Methuselah, 969, and then Lemech was 777, and then Noah lived to be 950 years old. Which of these things is not like the others? 300 years old, right? 365 years. Why did God take them then? We don't know that. Sometimes there's questions that we can ask, but we have to be okay with not having the answers. All right? Enoch lived 365 years. We do have today parts of a book, and I want to be careful as I go through this, but Jude, Jude doesn't have multiple chapters, only has one chapter. Jude 4 and 5 talk about Enoch, all right? And Jude, in talking about Enoch, references Enoch's prophecy, and we'll look at it here in just a moment. Where do we get that from? Well, there's three books of Enoch, all right? And there are different apocryphal books. We don't believe that the apocryphal books are, are uh, part of our canon, part of our Bible today. Um, Enoch 1 is an old book. It's an old book that, if you read it, kind of gives more detail uh, and stories of what it was like when when the angels of God or the messengers of God left heaven and came down and had relations with the, with the women on earth. And then came out of that the Nephilim, all right, the, these large giants, all right, that were ultimately were kind of evil, bad men. And so Enoch 1, the first Enoch, is an old book. But we don't have it as part of our, our Bible. Some scholars have, uh, more liberal scholars, would say that it should be included because it's so old. Just because a book is old doesn't mean that it should be part of the Bible. All right? And part of what we read in Enoch isn't necessarily contrary to the Bible, but, but it, it isn't written in the same fashion and the same way that our Bible was recorded. And in fact, some of the dating of Enoch goes to um, roughly the 4th to 1st century BC. 
And so it's a lot longer. If you look at the time frame, Enoch lives 365 years, right? And then he's taken to heaven. Well, it's thousands of years later that this book, Enoch 1, and then years later, Enoch 2, and years later, Enoch 3, are written. And so, again, part of the, the idea was if you give a book a name of someone who is important, then it will be more likely to be accepted. And so I believe the, the writer of Enoch 1 wrote it, and, and it was labeled Enoch 1 so that it would have some backing of, oh, look, in the Bible it says Enoch was a righteous man. Now, how do we get to Jude 4 and 5? I believe, again, as is the custom of the Jews, Remember, they didn't have a lot of writings. They passed down traditions orally. And so they shared orally many different stories. And part of what was shared was this prophecy that Enoch must have shared at some time that was then passed down, and it had to come through Moses or through Noah, all right? And then it was continually passed down after Noah that there would be judgment, and so if you have your Bibles, let's turn there, all right, to Jude. And then I promise we'll get to Hebrews 11, okay? Jude is the little book, uh, little writing right before Revelation. So Jude, actually it's 14 and 15. I'm sorry if I said 4 and 5. I was close. I just forgot one number. 14 and 15, Jude 14 and 15 reads this. And I don't believe I put it up there. So you'll have to follow along in, in your Bible in front of you. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam. So again, Jude helps us to see there's clarity of who he's talking about. Just He didn't have to say seventh from Adam, but he did. And he wanted us to know this was the one that we, that we read about in Genesis chapter 5. So... Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying this, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is in the context, Jude is in the context of, of judgment. Verse 3, Jude says this, I am very eager to write to you about our common salvation, but I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend or to fight for the faith that was once delivered for all, to all the saints. Meaning there's a change in what is being accepted as faith. And ultimately, the, there's judgment, and that's where he throws this, this, uh, this passage from Enoch, where he says, listen, there is judgment coming to those who are ungodly, those who are teaching a different gospel, a different faith, thinking that they can get away with living however they want to live. That's contrary to the faith of the Bible and the faith that ultimately Jude says that I've taught you, brother of James. Is it important that we look at the book of Enoch and that we include it in the Bible? No. Did Enoch have this saying? 
Yes. Is it in the book of Enoch? There's debate about that. I will tell you that in the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was part of the book of Enoch in the Dead Sea Scrolls. But once again, that does not make it biblical. It's not part of our biblical canon. That's a whole nother sermon that we can get into and how we came up with our Bible today. And I would encourage you uh, to dig in. Actually, back in 2016, uh, we had uh, Dr. Slusser from Baptist Bible Seminary came and uh, one of our underground churches. He walked us through that, how we can be confident that the Bible that we have today is actually the Bible and the true word of God. I do. I didn't want to just skip over it this morning, though, because I think it's important. I don't want to just assume that, oh, you guys all got it. No, because in our world, we need, to, we need to be like the Bereans and Acts. We need to dig in and we need to find out what is the truth and make sure that we know what the truth is and decipher and then live by it. So we see here, ultimately, we see Enoch. And let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 5 and 6. Because as we look at this man, Enoch, while he prophesied of coming judgment because he saw the ungodly, he saw how they lived. Remember Enoch, uh, the, the father of Methuselah, all right? And then Methuselah had Lamech, and Lamech was the father of Noah. And so he's the great-grandfather of Noah. And so we see during his time even, he sees the evilness of people and the judgment that's coming. And so here is a man who stands alone in a culture and a world that has abandoned God. Here is Enoch who stands alone in his faith. That's why I believe he's mentioned here. Because there's nobody else like Enoch living during this time and during this age and following God. The world had become corrupt. And so we see here, verse 5. Of Hebrews 11 says by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him now before he was taken he was commended as having pleased God verse 6 I believe ties into verse 5 look at what it says and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So ultimately, Enoch, by faith, notice where the writer starts this, and he writes this about almost every character that he lists here in chapter 11. By faith, Enoch was taken up. It was because of his faith in God. It wasn't because he did all the right things or that he was just a good man. It was because of his faith in God. He was taken up so that he should not see death. We talked a little bit about that taken and what that looks like. He was not found because God, ultimately the sovereign God, took him. Now before he was taken, I love this phrase, because we get a little bit more insight that the writer of Hebrews gives us, which he does for a lot of these different characters of faith. And he gives us this insight. He says, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Which begs the question, how did he please God? 
How did Enoch please God? Enoch was commended. He was looked upon as one who pleased God. It, isn't it awesome? Because we get the answer. It's like the writer of Hebrews, again, begs this question, and then he answers it for us. How do you please God? Well, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to him or come into his presence, whoever would desire to come before God, must what? Must believe that he exists and must believe that he rewards those who seek him. And so what we say, what we see here, is ultimately, here's a man who pleases God, and the way that he pleased God is he believed that God existed, and he walked with him. So when we look at this in our lives, how do we live a life of faith like Enoch? Well, first, we must believe that God exists. God exists, that God would be. In our John's class, we've been talking about Emmy, and ego Emmy means I am or I be. Jesus claims, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. Do you believe that God is I am? That he exists, that he be him. That he be him. It's great English, isn't it? Ultimately, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. Do you believe? The first act of faith is to believe that God exists. But the writer of James helps us to see it's not just to say, oh, I believe that there is a God. Because even the demons believe that there is a God and they shudder. They're fearful. They hide because of their fear. To believe that God exists and what? He says this, that he rewards those who seek him. Which assumes that not only do you believe that God exists, but you must be seeking him and that he rewards you for seeking him. Which takes me to the book of Matthew, right? When Jesus says, seek first the world and anything that you can get out of it, right? You make your best life and I'll take care of you. That's not what it says, is it? Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So for us, as we look at this character of faith in a time and an age where people wanted nothing to do with God, were living their lives separate from him, seeking their own pleasures. We're going to look at Noah next week. Noah's going to give us a glimpse of what it was like to live in that time. Sometimes we think that we live in dark times. And I don't want to diffuse that kind of thinking. We do live in dark times. 
But let us not become, uh, we, we must be careful in our thinking. There's always been darkness in the world. And yet the darkness will not overcome the light. And so as dark as the world is now, I believe the darkness is going to continue to come. Unless there's an enlightening. Which we pray that there will be. Amen? I mean, I want Jesus to come. But I want, I want people to get saved. Do you in your haste, yes, you want Jesus to come, but you'd rather have Jesus come so that you don't have to share your faith. See how selfish that is? I love it because God tells us that he is a patient God. He's a loving God and in his patience, he desires for all to come to know him. That's why he's waiting. That's why he's placed you and me here as his ambassadors, that we would live by faith. Walking with him, seeking him. And as we seek him, we please him. Because we're not seeking our own desires. We're not seeking our own wants. We're not even, again, we can pray that Jesus, would you come back? But in seeking God, we're saying, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be fixated on your return. I'm going to be fixated on doing what you call me to do, Jesus. Because look at the disciples. There they are staring up in the clouds as they see Jesus ascending. And the angel comes and says, hey, he's going to come back. He's going to come back the way he left. Come on, let's go. You've got work to do. Sometimes there's a saying, we're too heavenly minded for earthly good. I don't like that because I think we should be heavenly minded all the time, godly minded. And as we seek God, as we walk with him, as Enoch walked with him, I don't know who else walked with Enoch. We don't have a whole lot of other data on his son, Methuselah. Did Methuselah walk with God? We don't really know. He lived a long life, but the Bible doesn't tell us. Methuselah's son, Lemek, there's a little bit of remnant there of, of hope because of how he names Noah. Again, we'll look at that a little bit next week. But Noah, how many people get on the ark? Noah's family, that's it. And it wasn't like there was just like 120 people with Noah. <laughs> It was a dark time and a dark age. And Enoch walked with God. So when you think about it, not only do you need to start and believe that God exists, but you must seek him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. You must believe that he rewards, that he pays out. How does he pay out? Well, we've been taught in our Western culture this gospel that says if you follow and walk with God, he's going to literally pay you with a house or with a car or with goods. That's not what the Bible teaches us, though. God pays us with things that are 
critically more important. You say, well, yeah, but I would like to have help to make my life a little easier. That's why it takes faith, though. Do you hear me? We want life so that we can be comfortable. And some of us are so comfortable that we don't have to walk by faith. We don't have to seek after God because it's all taken care of. And I'm there with you. There's a lot of days that I'm so comfortable that I become complacent in my faith. But yet, what does the Bible say here? That it is impossible to please God without faith. And so I've begun to pray. Lord, give me opportunities. And boy, let me tell you, that's a scary prayer to pray, isn't it? Give me opportunities to grow in my faith. To exhibit faith. Some of you are walking through that right now. Some of you have circumstances in your life that God is taking you through and that he's challenging you and he's giving you an opportunity to walk by faith. You can't see what's going on. It's not obvious what it looks like. What you had thought, what you had planned, it totally has been stripped away. And you're left today and you're saying, uh, what do I do? It's right here. Please God, please him. Walk like Enoch. And that pleasing means that we are continually in fellowship with him. And his payout is peace, is comfort, is joy. Think about this. Every, every physical, tangible thing while it, it gives us, it may give us a, a feeling or, or a reward, it doesn't last, does it? God offers us things that last. And yet we want to take these tangible things that we see and we want those as more important than what God is offering to us. Today... Let me encourage you. Walk with him. It may start off as a slow little shuffle. <laughs> That's okay. God knows. He's there right there with you. He's not going to abandon you and he's not going to leave you. He will not forsake you. He's promised us that. So it's not him that leaves us. It's us that walk away from him. So let me encourage you that you would believe that your time in the word of God and that your time in prayer is so important that you couldn't go without it for a day. Do you believe that? Do you believe that reading the word and praying every day is so critical to walk with God? Not to do it as a law. We're not under the law. It's not some thing that we better do in order to get the blessing of God. We do it because we love God and we want to walk with him because we want to know him. And so I encourage you, make it important. You can't walk with God without knowing his word. You can't walk with God and know him and seek him without talking to him and without listening to him. 
Sometimes we play this game like it's really difficult and really hard to understand the will of God. In reality, it's really quite simple the older I get. The more of a challenge it is. But it's really quite simple. Walk with God. Seek Him. And as we seek Him and walk with Him, what may be the most difficult part is waiting. Because unlike Enoch, when God took Enoch, he leaves you and I here. Which means he has a purpose and a plan for us. So are you pleasing God? This man of faith was commended as having pleased God. Are you pleasing him? The way that you can test that is are you drawing near to him? Believing that not only that he exists, but believing that he rewards those who seek after him. In preparing this, it reminded me of a, of a hymn. And some of you told me the last time that we looked at a hymn that we should have sang it, which I'm appreciative. Thank you. Listen to the words, though, and we're going to sing it here this morning, okay? Yes. We're going to sing a hymn, which we, you get your hymns, okay? I love, which, by the way, I, I love the hymns. I'm not dissing the hymns. I love the hymns. And in fact, I dig into them, and I use them as part of my time with God. Do you know that the hymns are available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music? Anywhere that you get and listen to music, like the hymns are there. Just as like praise music and gospel rap music. I know there's some of you that like gospel rap. Praise God for that. And praise God for you. It's great. We all have different tastes. And that's not a bad thing. The hymns are rich in their theology. But some of the songs we just sang this morning are rich in their context. So as we sing this, please rejoice. But no, it's not about a hymn or a chorus. Let's not go there. Let's not be, uh, let's not go to that level. That's, that's human mindset. Listen to the words. Focus on the truth. Know what the Bible says. We walk with God and this hymn talks about 1912. I come to the garden alone. We'll sing it here in a minute. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. That's what Enoch did. Enoch walked with God. What about you? you? You get to choose. You get to choose today if you want to please God. You get to choose if you want to walk with God. The writer of this hymn says he speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. It's so sweet the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me 
within my heart, it's ringing. I'd stay in the garden with him, the night all around me be falling, but yet he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling. The beauty of walking with God and the relationship that he offers to you. That we can enjoy that sweet fellowship. Enjoy that time. To know that he loves us and to hear his voice and the truths that he shares with us. We can grasp hold. And it not only strengthens our faith, but it pleases him. Because he wants us to draw near to him. So, will you walk with him? Will you talk with him? Will you listen to what he has to tell you? It's more than just a Sunday morning here. God desires so much more for you. Will you stand and let's sing together? Vince will play for us. Words will be up on the screen for I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me i am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known he speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me i am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known I'd stay in the garden with him Though the night around me be falling But he bids me go Through the voice of woe His voice to me is calling and he walks with me and he talks with me 
And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Would you be seated? Pray with me, Lord, we thank you that we have the great privilege of walking with you and talking with you. It is a joy that is incomparable to anything else in our lives. For those who have experienced it and know what it feels like, it changes our life. And yet, Lord, we can get busy. Satan, Satan can have his way. And deceive us and pull us away, sometimes with good things, but not the best. And so, Lord, we come today asking that you would help us to please you, knowing that it's by faith that we live this life, it's by faith that we come and acknowledge a God that we, we can't see, but all around us we see and feel and know the evidences of. You are truth. And we get to know you and trust you. And we get to walk with you, Lord. I pray for those who are struggling today with their circumstances and with their situations where they sit right now, where it's hard for them in their own mind, in their own heart, they're broken, they're hurting, they don't understand. Lord, may they experience your presence and the sweetness of what that looks like and feels like. Open their eyes that they may see. Open their heart that they would not be confused by the lies of the deceiver but that they would know that you are God and that they would believe that for your children, you work all things together for good. That we would walk loving you, obeying you, trusting you. Lord, we have no idea what's to come this day and the week ahead. But we are excited about how you will test our faith. And I pray that you would test our faith. And in testing that, we will continue to please you, I pray. We would please you by walking with you, trusting you, holding your hand, 
as you lead us and guide us. May you be the to you be the glory and honor and praise forever, Lord, through our life, through our words, through our testimony. We owe you everything, God, because you've given us eternal life. And for anyone who has yet to claim Jesus as their Savior, I pray that today they would experience that. Today they would trust and believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for their sin, was buried, and rose from the dead three days later. That they would ask for the forgiveness of their sin and ask you to come into their life and be their God. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping together to lift our voices together in one voice and one accord to gather around your word and one heart. Lord, and as we go our separate ways, may we serve as one body using all the different gifts and abilities that you've given each one, not for our own puffing up, but that the world may see that you are truly God and that they would acknowledge you, come to you and walk with you like we have the privilege of walking with you. So we pray that you would guide us and lead us and we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior.